Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO, Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. Good to be here, Dan. Chris, always good to have you. Um, let's jump off today's conversation talking about CPI. Um, so we saw that CPI hit 6.2% year over year, um, which is now the, you know, about the highest in, in a little over 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, inflation was up 0.9% uh, in October alone. Uh, so, you know, the question for you here is, is, you know, given that we've monitored the inflationary cycle, uh, is transitory the correct way to think about the current inflationary pressures? Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't consider them transitory. I think the the comments around it being transitory inflation is, is more political scapegoating than anything else. Uh, the simple truth is we've been in a self-reinforcing inflationary cycle. We've talked about it for some time. Um, the upward pressure or the upward momentum in that inflationary cycle has eased materially, uh, but it hasn't rolled over. In other words, the growth rate upturn in inflation remains present. The cycle remains self-reinforcing, but we're not going to see a dramatic rise from here. Uh, and the other thing to think about is, you know, this, this cycle... Uh, from a historical perspective, even if you go back and look in the 70s, you know, we had very dramatic declines in inflation on a year-over-year -year basis, but it was still higher than it had been the previous decade. So as an example, uh, you know, we're sitting here at 6.2. Um, let's say it falls 50%, and in the next 12 months, inflation's running 3.2 that's still 200 basis points higher than what it did last decade. And there's nothing that says it can't pick up from that lower level and rise back to six or seven or 8%. As we've mentioned, the key ingredient for inflation is to build the excess bank reserves. And we've done that now for the last decade plus via QE. And now it's just an expectations game and a policy game, meaning will the Fed and the Treasury support the inflationary conditions? Will they try to enact policy uh, to prevent the inflationary conditions? But by and large, it really rests in the hands of the private sector and, and what their expectations are and what their behaviors are at this point. Right. Uh, and it our podcast these days wouldn't be complete if we didn't speak about uh, inflation, but also what's also taking place in supply chains. And mm -hmm. um, you know, we've, we've heard from the Federal Reserve officials, we've heard from the Secretary of Energy, uh, we've heard from the President himself that they've all stated that supply chain disruptions are responsible for the current inflationary conditions, and relief will be arriving uh, as soon as supply chain issues are corrected. You know, do you do you subscribe to this narrative? No, I don't. I mean, I think they can exacerbate the inflationary issues, but um, and I'm hopeful that the commentary, especially out of the Secretary of Energy, um, is just a political narrative. If she actually, actually believes that, we're in a world of trouble because nothing could be further from the truth. Um, the supply chain issues are temporary. They'll be relieved. That will offset some of the disparity between what we see in PP, PPI and CPI, which is at all-time wides. That said, the inflationary conditions are really threefold in my mind. One, we massively overstimulated during COVID. As we've talked about, we lost about $400 billion of income, and we had $1.9 trillion of transfer payments to households. We had the largest increase in personal income in our history at a time when, you know, the economy was shut down. We just overly stimulated, but, you know, both uh, the fiscal policymakers and the monetary policy 
uh, makers can't come out and say, hey, guys, we screwed up and we overstimulated, so that's not what they're going to say. The other element of this is we're on the beginning of another commodity cycle. We've been in a downturn for six or seven years. We've been underinvesting in fossil fuel production for almost a half a decade now. We are materially short on CapEx, and because of very poor policymaking as it relates to a transition to renewables, we're going to see higher fossil fuel prices, and that flows through and leads to higher soft uh, commodity prices, agriculture, we're already starting to see it, and fertilizer prices, we're going to see it, and food inflation is going to accelerate in the next three months or so. And then we also underinvested massively in housing supply. We did that coming out of a, a large bubble, uh, but the underinvestment matters now because the millennial generation and and, and Gen Z, is they're, they're ready for household formation. The demand's there and the supply isn't. And because of repressive monetary policy, we've boosted home prices, so even people in existing homes can't move. So, uh, no, uh, correcting supply change is not going to ease pressures. Um, the, both fiscal and monetary policies uh, really got a conundrum on their hands for sure. And, and speaking of those policies, you know, to the extent that inflationary pressure remains elevated, you know, what do you think the implications for monetary and fiscal policy are? Yeah, you know, there, I think aggressive monetary or fiscal policy that would drive either, a, a, you know, higher asset prices or accelerating economic growth or just flat off the table. Um, and the reason I say that is inflation's become a political issue. And as such, uh, you know, you, you're going to have to limit your actions because, you know, you're not going to get away with the narrative that hey, we're going to release the SPR. I'm going to talk to my economic counsel and we're going to do something about this. The, you know, the, the general public just isn't that naive anymore. And you can see it in approval ratings. So um, I think their hands are tied and it's unfortunate because as we've talked about, we're in a growth rate slowdown. Um, I, you know, when you look at inventories and when you look at quarterly earnings, there's a lot of blame being laid at the feet of the supply chain issues, but the simple truth is they're not nearly as significant as people would have you believe. So go, going forward, we're going to see slower growth, weaker earnings. We're going to see margin issues. Uh, by the back half of 22, we could certainly see a very material slowdown, one in which typically we would see a policy response. But if inflationary pressures are sticky, that's going to limit uh, the, the opportunity set from both the fiscal and monetary policy standpoint. And one last question for you today. Just let's look at the market here. Uh, you know, we're up, uh, gosh, almost 9% here yeah. in the fourth quarter, um, only about six weeks in. Uh, this is really appears to be a strong risk on rally. Um, do, you, do you think this is a seasonal aspect of the market that you've mentioned in a few of our prior conversations? Or, or do you think the magnitude of this run is, is pointing to something else? Yeah, no, I think it's seasonal. Um, as we've talked about, uh, the market was very bearishly positioned in the third quarter because it was obvious we were in a growth slowdown. And so they were long the dollar. They were short uh, small caps, short the S&P. And if you look on a quarter-to-date basis, you know, the S&P is up nearly 9% and the uh, Russell 2000 is up nearly 10%. Um, and for the most part, the biggest move for small caps was actually last week where they were up over 6%. And it was driven by high beta, high short interest. And it was classic performance chasing. And you've had your hedged players, your market neutral players, needing to get long, cover shorts, getting long 
And by default, they still have to be market neutral. So in establishing those option positions, the dealers are getting along as well, and you get this self-reinforcing melt-up. Um, the melt-up may continue, you know, uh, gun to my head. My bet would be we've seen the bulk of the returns for the quarter, uh, but we're very much uh, still in, in the, the position of, you know, we're going to get to the performance chasing. Typically, this runs through Thanksgiving, may a week beyond, and then uh, kind of peters out. But given the, the significant rally we've seen quarter to date to, to bet on anything, uh, continuing to the same magnitude, I think maybe foolhardy. Yeah, awfully hard to continue to compound it at this clip for the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. So, good. All right, well, let's call it a day there. So thank you so much for, for coming on, Chris, and we will uh, look forward to having you again here soon. Sounds good, Dan. Perfect. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.